Hello, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay, here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we will be discussing posture and gestures during Mass. So let's get started. Hey, Lindsay, uh, it's good to always to get connected and to talk about some of these issues and, and different types of things. Ones now that we're really through, you know, uh, Lent and Advent and Christmas and Lent and Easter and, and those some of those kinds of uh, things. I thought that maybe a route that or we could go would just to kind of take some ideas and things that people have talked about over the period of time and saying, you know, here's why we do these things or here's why we have this. And one of the things that I oftentimes hear about when people ask me certain things, but also sometimes my own uh, friends that are, are from uh, uh, Protestant brothers and sisters from other Christian traditions or, or non-Christian traditions, is that they ask, is it, why are you Catholics always moving around? You know, can't you make up your mind, either stand up, sit down, or be quiet, or do something? Catholic but, calisthenics. <laughs> exactly. So why are you doing all of that? And in fact, there is a reason why we do all of that. And it, it really stems from the very basics of our, of our theology. Going back, you know, we might say in, back to Christmas, the fact that we are incarnational. Jesus was born as a human person as that he was not this spiritual entity. He was not Casper the friendly ghost. He was a person, a human being. And as when we think about that, it means that our faith, our faith tradition, our ways of praying, praying, not praying, <laughs> our ways of praying are also incarnational. When we walk into the church on Sunday or daily mass or whatever it is that we walk into church, we don't become these spiritual entities that leave behind our bodies on the threshold of the church. And all of a sudden we start floating or whatever, is that we are incarnational. And, and again, that means that how we pray, how we experience God, how we experience the holy uh, is influenced by our postures, by our gestures, by by how we engage each other, and and how we are connected to you know to the to the prayer experience that we are engaging in. So they oftentimes refers to as the smells and the bells of of being Catholic and those kinds of things. Yeah, all of that is important because even when you go back to the for example, the, the biblical times when they, you know, the uh, the Psalms, they speak of our our prayers rise like incense, you know, our souls long for the running streams. That's all incarnational. This is all imagery that is based in the fact that we are human beings. And so when we gather to pray at Mass, is that we must also engage this time of prayer as human beings. Unfortunately, in some ways over time, we, we began to lose some of that, and, and you were there simply to pray, pay, and obey. That's what you were there for. You had no other importance than to sit there and watch something holy happen. And it was during the Second Council that they said, no, that's, that's not what our prayer is to be. Our prayer, you are, we are to be engaged in the prayer physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We are to be engaged in this prayer 
And the ways that we engage in this time of prayer, in many ways, are through the, the actions of our bodies. And so we pray with our bodies. And, we, we, you know, it's not only in church, in a sense. You know, when you, when you go to a party, you know, hopefully you don't sit in a corner and go, you know, and just be quiet with your hands folded. You are engaged. You're standing up. You're talking. You're, you're moving around. All, that's the, when you go to a library... You sit quietly and you read your book, you know, or you're supposed to anyway. You go to a bar and you, again, you, you, you get my meaning is mm -hmm. that but the same thing when we, um, when we go to church. Different actions mean different things and help us to engage in different ways. And it really has a lot to do with being incarnational. Uh, in the, um, when, when I had an opportunity, for example, to go to um, to Israel, and particularly in the city of Jerusalem, when you were watching some of the rabbis and the folks that were praying by the Western Wall or praying in different places, and they were, you know, bowing up and down, standing, bowing up and down, moving, is that they prayed with their whole body. It was fascinating to see because you know, uh, too often times, you know, growing up in a Germanic background is that you, you hardly moved at all, you know, and uh, and God forbid, you know, I remember sometimes the the uh, ex exclamations of horror when, for example, there was liturgical dance, liturgical movement during the offertory and such, mm -hmm. saying, there is nothing wrong with that. And yet, oh my gosh, the world was coming to an end because people were dancing in the aisles. Now, again, we as coming out of the, the backgrounds that we did, you know, you go to, uh, you go to uh, an African-American church, you go to churches around the world, and they are whipping up a storm, you know, dancing in the aisles, singing, swaying, beating on bongos and tambourines and all sorts of things, you know, and we gasp in horror, thinking they're not reverent, that somehow they're not taking this seriously, or, or this is not holy to them. On the contrary, not everybody just, you know, stands there so rigid as if we all have back braces on, you know, not willing to move. And, and sometimes we need to shake it up a little bit. Sometimes we need to recognize that, you know, the movement in our body can really express, you know, a tremendous way of giving praise to God, uh, as opposed to just standing there staring as if we're all zombies. Because, you know, if we make the wrong move before God, that somehow God is going to, you know, destroy us or, or hit us with a lightning bolt. Uh, bolt. Uh, and so when we talk about gestures and we talk about postures uh, when it comes to prayer, is that it can make a huge difference, again, uh, a profound difference, actually, when, when, when we are gathered in prayer. And they go from the more simple to the more engaged or involved. Um, a, a simple gesture, you might say, uh, again, it was not only a gesture of, of what we believe, but also was teaching, is, for example, just simply the sign of the cross. You know, when we say and, and, and mark ourselves in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, is that it is marking ourselves with the sign of the cross, the foundational image symbol of our faith, and we are blessing ourselves. 
The same thing when we, for example, uh, we bless, uh, our parents bless their children. Uh, we do the same thing, for example, at a baptism. We put the sign of the cross on a child's forehead as a sign of welcome. It's, it's a whole different, you know, um, type of engagement when you have, uh, for example, parents and godparents putting that sign. And many times if there's a small group, I have the whole group come forward and put the sign of the cross on the child. Is that it's, it's one thing about kind of like paying lip service to it. It's a whole other thing when you engage and you put that mark, you know, on a child's forehead. Very basic, very simple, but it's one of those actions, gestures that speak of faith, speak of the Trinity, speak of death, resurrection on the cross, speak of, you know, all of these things. And it's by a simple gesture that we put on our forehead or we put on the forehead of another or we call down a blessing upon someone. And it's probably the first thing you do when you come to church. Absolutely. For Mass. You know, using water. You know, somebody say, well, those are, you know, I've been so, those are cesspools of germs. Mm, I'd like to see it as baptismal waters, you know. That you're you're exactly right. We used to have, for example, holy these small holy water fonts uh, on the on, by the doors of our home when I was growing up, so that when you walked in and out of your house, you blessed yourself. Again, it was a way of of prayer through action. So it, those aren't just for you know churches. Is that they can be used all different places. But you're right, very basic. And 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 in fact, you find that that parents in so many ways are doing the sign of the cross on us and having us do it by guiding our hands mm -hmm. before we have any clue what it means. But it's so basic of, of how we do that, you know, just something as simple as what they call a sign of the cross or a, a benediction. You, you know, it's not just the priest that can bless or a deacon, you know, or a bishop or a pope. Is that I encourage parents saying, Bless your kids at home. Bless them when they get up in the morning. Bless them before they go to bed at night. You know, make the sign of the cross over them. Oh, <gasps> we can't do that. Well, sure you can. Sure you can. And it's very appropriate, again, how we call down the presence of God, the, 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 the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, how we, we do that. And we do that certainly in church. Now, in church, it's it's obviously a much more formal atmosphere, and and of course, um, but but many of these things in many ways can be uh, can be applied to homes, to places, wherever we gather, you know. Uh, but let's talk specifically about in church a little bit, you know. When you think about this, is it's it's first and foremost, everything that we do is always focused on God, always focused on God. That's where it's got to start. If it doesn't start there, doesn't start any place. Always focused on God. So, but when we enter the presence of God, when we go to Eucharist and such, this should not be somehow entering the presence of someone who is going to destroy us if we screw up, whether we can actually do that or not, um, screw up that is, is that it's about to be able to enter in the presence of a God who loves us beyond our wildest imaginations, 
who blesses us time and time again, who forgives us over and over again, who, you know, and the scriptures tell us, sent his son not to destroy, but to save, that, you know, that his hope for us is that we know oneness ultimately with God. So in a sense, and even David, you know, we talked about dancing before the Lord, is that we need to lighten up a little bit. This does not mean a lack of reverence. And oftentimes, when, when I say that to folks, sometimes they say, oh, you just want us to be just wild and crazy and do stupid things. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. You know, lightening up a little bit does not mean that we disrespect or anything, but quite the contrary. That to be able, in a sense, to dance before the Lord, to sing before the Lord. It's Augustine, I believe, who said, when we sing in Eucharist, we pray twice. It's, it's realizing that all of these things, our voices, ability to sing, all of that, it should be used. Unfortunately, we were taught again, you walk into church and you are to be silent. And as long as you put your envelope in, you were okay. You know? And nothing further could be from the truth. After the council, again, people saying, no, we're supposed to sing. We're supposed to make beautiful music before the Lord. And so when we, we enter, you know, it's, it's being able, when we enter the church, that we bless ourselves when we walk in the door. And once we bless ourselves, when we go to our pew, is that one of the gestures that we use is either a bow or to genuflect. You know, um, in the past, before the 70s, I would say, is that you had a single knee genuflect when you were going into the pew. But if the Blessed Sacrament was exposed or those kinds of high times, you know, you had, you know, a double genuflection. So basically you went down on both knees. They stopped doing that, you know. Uh, again, saying simply genuflect. What is genuflection? It's a sign of reverence. That's what it is. It's a physical sign of reverence, of where is our focus to be? Be at the, you know, be at the, at the altar where, where the presence of the Lord is. So are you genuflecting to the altar or the tabernacle? I mean, basically, it's not necessarily to either specific as much okay. as it's, it's a recognition of the presence of God. It's a recognition, Lindsay, that, that you are in the presence of of the holy. Now, for example, when the priest approaches, you know, the the table when uh, or the altar when he walks in, um, he kisses the altar. It's a sign of reverence for what happens on this altar. But when we genuflect when we come into the church, it's broader than that. It's realizing that yes, we recognize that the presence of Christ is in the tabernacle. We get that. But it's to recognize on a bigger scale, we are in the presence of the holy. This is sacred space. Unfortunately, sometimes we're losing a sense of sacred space. And that's not only in churches. You know, what sometimes we do in, in cemeteries and people, you know, how we desecrate these places where our loved ones are buried. How we desecrate places that are holy, not just Catholic churches, but synagogues or mosques or whatever. These are sacred spaces. And, and somehow, you know, we pay more reverence when we walk into Lambeau Field than we do when we walk into our church. And, 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 and so we need to be reminded of, you know, of the fact that we are in the presence of the sacred. But the thing is, is that, but whether we bow 
or whether we genuflect is really not relevant. Both are signs of reverence. And, and, you know, particularly for those people who are not able to genuflect because they're not able to, mm. is that to saying it's okay to bow, oh, but, but see, they were taught that you had to genuflect. You don't have to genuflect. Do a sign of reverence. Let your body and what your body does acknowledge that you are in the presence of the sacred. So genuflecting is one of those, and oftentimes done, you know, uh, when we enter a church, uh, the Blessed Sacrament, um, and so it's a sign of reverence. Bowing is a sign of reverence. Both are a value. Um, is it good to teach our children to genuflect? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, can we also bow? Absolutely. So just something like that. Folding our hands. Again, folding our hands can help us to focus, can help us to remind us why are we here and what are we doing? Does it make a difference if they're, you know, folded flat side of the hand or flat to hand or, you know? Well, flat's to heaven and folded down is down. I, I, yeah. <laughs> It's, what I that's what the kids were saying when I was little. Sure, you know, it's that you know, uh, yeah, we were. Is it good again that we teach to fold hands? Absolutely. <laughs> but whether we fold them in different ways is not is is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. It's really irrelevant. One is not holier than the other. Again, different ways of being able to recognize that what our bodies are saying and what we do you know, reflects what we believe and what we, and the one we believe we are in the presence of. In fact, uh, you know, even more than folding hands, it was that folding one's arms. You know, it's like putting your arms across your body and almost giving yourself a hug. That was originally, before we folded hands, we folded arms. That was the sign. And hmm. in fact, that's originally where the pretzel comes from, is that um, because... The pretzel, which was a basic form of bread, the pretzel was not something we discovered. You find they're all over the world, sure. but it was the idea was it was the form of of mm. having your arms in a gesture. So even foods oftentimes reflected what we believed. Interesting. So when you look at that, so you know, folding hands, bowing, uh, again, genuflection. Um, it was, uh, for example, also uh, there are other. Uh, there are other actions, for example, like kneeling. There are appropriate times to kneel. <clears throat> um, again, it is kneeling is a sense, the posture of repentance. <coughs> Excuse me. It's a posture of, of adoration. Um, but, you know, kneeling is not appropriate all the time during when we're in, in church. You know, at times it is very appropriate. But standing is very appropriate. For example, when we're standing, it's, it's realizing that it's a posture of receptivity. We are open to. Again, when you're kneeling, you're, you're focused in. When you're standing, you know, it's a sense of receptivity. It's a sense of being open to something happening. Um, it's interesting how, uh, you know, different places in, in, in the world do this differently. We happen to have a habit of kneeling during the Eucharistic prayer. That's not the case in many places around the world. They stand during the Eucharistic prayer. 
Why? It's the same thing as you don't go to a celebration and sit quietly in a chair or kneel down. You're standing, you're mixing. Is that the Eucharistic prayer by its very nature is a prayer of thanksgiving, giving praise. There are, there are many on, you know, on both sides of the argument, you might say, saying it's the most sacred time, therefore you must kneel. There are others saying it is the last time you ought to be kneeling because you should be standing, being receptive to what is taking place, again, engaging. And, and you'll find arguments on both sides. <laughs> yeah, you'll find arguments on both sides. Again, at times people trying to say, well, one is right or one is wrong. I would say is, can we not recognize, you know, that different places in the world do it differently? Ours is not good because we do it, or others bad because they do it. Different ways. Again, you go around the world, and in many, many churches around the world, you don't have kneelers. They just don't exist. You know, and we think that somehow because our experience is that in the United States is that, well, every church, you go into St. Peter's Basilica, they don't have kneelers. You know, you go to most churches in Europe, they only have kneelers because they don't spend a lot of time kneeling. You know, it's mostly stand. That's the Eucharist celebration. So, again, our postures mean a, a whole lot. Or the what is called an orance, uh, pos- you know, uh, position, where you have your hands, you know, kind of your palms are up. They're spread out a little bit from your side and your palms are up. Is that Typically it's, during the Our Father, right? Yes, many. And you know, I, I, I kind of chuckle when, when sometimes priests write letters to their parishes saying, you know, that, belong, that gesture belongs to the priest, that people are not supposed to use that gesture, that they're supposed to have their hands folded. Um, no, not really, is that doesn't belong to clergy. It's a gesture. And if someone feels more comfortable with their with an Oron's you know position, mm-hmm. then I would say by all means, by all means, use that if it helps you to pray. That gesture does not belong to the clergy, as if somehow it's their secret little action. Is that it belongs to all of us, and different people pray. Sometimes people will have their hands straight up, looking up to heaven. Sometimes it will be an orance position. Sometimes it will be hands folded more tightly palm to palm. These are all actions hopefully that help people to pray but not somehow do not belong to any individual group or person because somehow that's my realm. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Do we have some traditional ways of, of doing some things? Well, sure we do. You know, and you go into South America, and it's a little bit different. And you go to African nations, it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. You come here, it's a little bit different. Um, All are valued. All have a lot to offer. All are ways for us to hopefully experience God more deeply and to focus in on that. Is that you also have, for example, example, the position of prostration is that most times when we see that, one is when guys are ordained, they lie uh, prostrate before the bishop. Mm-hmm. Two is you'll see it on uh, Good Friday, where when you walk in, you you know, it's a, a, the, the position of um, prostration. It's, um, it's lying face down. Uh, you're not lying on your back. You're lying face down. And um, it's, it's, it's that whole sense of, of 
you know, of, of, of being humble before God, of, of really, you might say, putting things in right order, you might say. Now, uh, kneeling on both knees with your head down is also a form of prostration. And, you know, sometimes used by clergy that, that are not able to, if they got get down, the they, down yeah, yeah. they never get back up. Uh, sometimes used in, in, in higher kind of uh, more highly ritual celebration sometimes. But you see, even with that, prostration does not belong to the clergy. Is that I have seen any number of times people who will come into the church to pray and they will be lying prostrate before the altar. They will be lying prostrate and saying it's, it's a form, it's a position that speaks of humility. It's a position that speaks of the greatness, the glory, the, the incredible magnificence of God. It's a position that speaks of desiring for repentance. It doesn't belong to us. You know, unfortunately, sometimes you get the idea again because of when it's often used. But when you watch people pray privately, you see them in all sorts of positions, all sorts of positions. Uh, the One of the other more common, you know, um, uh, positions would be sitting. Again, sitting, uh, when you look at it, it's a posture of reflection and receptivity. That's why, you know, people say, well, y you know, we should be kneeling, you know, after receives communion. Well, it's one possibility, but it's also appropriate to be seated. Uh, one, you may be singing, mm -hmm. you know, as far as that goes. Two, it's, it's, it's recognizing you know, uh, that we have just received the body of Christ. Uh, three, it's the idea of, of being open to what that reception of the body of Christ, you know, may bring to us, is that uh, I know there are those saying, but you just received the body, you're supposed to be praying and you're supposed to be, yes, that may work for you and God bless you, but don't put it on everybody else. Mm -hmm. Because for someone else, being seated may work for them. And the idea is not, when we go to church, the idea is not necessarily that we're all doing the same thing at the same time. The idea is that we are worshiping God all at the same time. And I also remind folks, if you are paying attention to what you just received, you are not going to notice whether somebody is sitting <laughs> or whatever. Is that... You know, we're spending all of our time looking around who's doing it right, whatever definition of right someone may have, as opposed to focusing in and saying, I've just received the body of Christ. Then you got a bigger problem than whether somebody is, you know, sitting or not. But the idea being, whatever we do, all of these things are to help us to recognize the presence of God. All of these gestures are to help us to focus so that when we walk in that sacred space that we are focusing on, on the presence, on, on, on the possibilities that God may bring to us. All of these things are to help us to pray more deeply. The idea again is not that we're all doing it the same way as if you know somehow we're simply lemmings all draw, jumping off the cliff or somehow we are all robots we are all experiencing God in a different way. Hopefully these gestures, hopefully they will help us to do that well. And, and, and it also, when, when we can lighten up a little bit, <laughs> then 
whether somebody is dancing, you know, at, in a time, or whether somebody is standing, whether somebody is holding their hands up or in an Oron's gesture, is that it helps us all to recognize, isn't this a marvelous God that we have? Isn't this a marvelous God that is able to see in all of these gestures how people give praise to God, how people ask God, you know, to enter their hearts and that we do it by our bodies. We are incarnational. We are not robots. We are not ethereal. We are not spiritual entities. We are incarnational. And in being incarnational, it helps to recognize that all of these gestures help us to experience that the divine became flesh and dwelt among us. What a, what a grace. Amen. Uh, just a couple questions. Sure. So how can we sit for the Old Testament, first and second readings, and then we stand for the gospel? Because the gospel is always a major focus. So it's um, we believe that in the, uh, particularly the gospel, because that's, that's what our faith is based on, on the four gospels, is that we believe that when the gospel is pro being proclaimed to a believing community, that the presence of Christ is there in a very real incarnational way, okay? So always the gospel is always given then a place of honor, a place of importance. It's also the reason why when we walk in procession, we walk in with the gospel book. We do not walk in with the whole lectionary that has all the other readings. <laughs> in that book are only the gospels. And so it's to say we give special honor to the gospel book to the gospel because we believe that the presence of Christ is there in a very special, specific way when it is proclaimed among the people of faith. And one of the ways we do that, whenever you, someone of, of great honor comes into our presence, our, we stand. Yeah. When the king stands, no one sits. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, that's why we do that for the gospel book. And then for the creed, why do we bow in the creed? We bow, and again, it's, it's recognizing, uh, again, when we talk about, and the word was made flesh and dwelt am among us. It's that recognition that this is so central. Again, we are giving, again, it's a gesture of giving thanks and honor to God for that tremendous gift. And so we bow at that point, and, you know, and because of the significance of what that is saying. And so we bow at that point, to recognize again all incarnational of how we how do we recognize these key important moments you know in, in our faith so you said you stand because you're bringing the book of gospels in right at the beginning of at Mass. the beginning right then why do we stand when the priest leaves or like stay standing because you don't walk the book of gospels out no you're right well it's it's interesting they used to the book of the Gospels used to be walked out also. And then that was, oh gosh, I want to say maybe 15, 20 years ago, they stopped doing that. Um, oh, that and the, and, and the, the idea being is that the presence of Christ never leaves you. It's like it enters in through the Gospel, but it's like he doesn't leave at the end. You've just consumed him, so well, exactly. you we, go out. Well, precisely, and not only have, in a sense, we've consumed him physically through the body and blood of Christ, but also orally, we, you know, um, orally, I guess, through hearing and such. Yeah. We have heard, we have, and now we are to go out 
rather than the gospel book, we are to go out. But the other thing is, is that it's also recognizing that the end of a celebration has taken place. And contrary to popular belief, the end of Mass does not take place until the final song is done. <laughs> um, you know, oh. I had to throw that one in there. Um, so it's, it's realizing that we are now ready. You know, we're singing onward Christian soldier type of thing. Now we're ready to go out there so we wouldn't kneel because that's now the position of being ready to go out and engage. Okay. Make sense? Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Anything else you have to throw to us? No, I think that covers a lot of it. And it does. we'll probably you know, hit some other things later on date, but, but I just wanted to, to help look at some of these gestures. And, and again, just to help people in ways relax a bit, mm -hmm. relax. You, you know, you're um, at a friend's house. Yeah, yeah, of. exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, when Jesus says, you know, Abba, Father, you know, that Abba, and when when you when you listen to Jewish children, you know, engaging their daddies, is that they say Abba, 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 which Daddy, Daddy, you know, that should not strike terror in our hearts. It should it should allow us to feel comfortable of in a way to feel comfortable to climb up in God's lap and just be there for a while and saying it's going to be okay and really when you think about the Eucharist in some ways isn't it or shouldn't it be in a way of being able to climb up in God's lap and simply say I just need to know this coming week is is going to be better or I just need to know that how, somehow everything that happened this past week you know, is not the be all and end all of the world. And I just need to know there's something, someone bigger than I am. And we do that in so often through the gestures that we, we make. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed